This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. So can it get any worse uh, for Joe Biden? It's like a flurry. You know, in boxing, when they have a flurry, it's like a flurry of losses. If it can get any worse for a president, um, I, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen a president have a worse week. And it's not even, it's only Friday. There's still time than this guy. Lot to talk about today. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. No time to waste. Let's get right to it. I've got that. I've got great video. I'm going to tell you what happened. Big news out of the Supreme Court yesterday, as you probably heard. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small, it can be stored anywhere, in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. Comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers in the role made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals on a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. Producer Joe, it is Friday, so if you would, kind sir. Yes, it is Friday. Yeah. Wow, it's kind of a sedated Friday. It's all right. It's okay. I'm, back, I'm okay with it. Joe's, you know what it is? Joe's like thinking like I'm thinking, like, man. Can it get any worse for this guy? Because sadly, this guy is so unbelievably incompetent, our pino, Joe Biden, president name only, that it filters down and hurts all of us because this guy sucks so bad. The level of suck here is unprecedented, unprecedented in modern American history. Our friend Glenn Greenwald over on Twitter summed it up in a tweet yesterday. He's at G Greenwald by saying the Biden administration in just just the last 24 hours, folks, 7% inflation came out, that number. 33% approval rating for Big Joe. Kirsten Cinema, senator from Arizona, reaffirmed their filibuster support. We'll be talking about all of this. And the Supreme Court gave him the double-barreled, family-friendly middle finger, maybe wasn't so family-friendly, and struck down at least the OSHA portion of his vaccine mandate for big businesses. We warned you. We w Did we not warn Sleepy that this was a really stupid idea? I don't like playing cuts of myself, but we'll get to that in a minute, too. Before we get to that, here is, what's that? Let's go. Oh, yeah, yeah, good point. Time for the, I don't want to wear this thing out, but it is time for the Let's Go Brandon Cowbell. Thank you to the listener who said it's a good point. We don't want to neglect the LGB Cowbell. Let's go to this first. This is just, uh, this is some pretty epic stuff. It's one of the best 
pieces of sound I will ever present to you. So Peppermint Patty has to go up to the White House press briefing room yesterday, and she has to somehow run cover for what is now a lame duck president, effectively. The flurry of losses is unprecedented. Hillary Clinton, Joe, is licking her chops right now, thinking, <laughs> my gosh, this guy's finished. She is getting ready. Bring in the righty out of the bullpen. Hillary has no loyalty to anyone. She's getting ready to, to ice this guy right now, okay? But here's a reporter. Uh, I've seen this guy around before. Forgive me, I forget his name. But this reporter's no, you know, right-leaning guy at all. And he says in kind of a very calm fashion, this is, some, this is like the best 47 seconds you're ever going to hear. He just lays it out, and Peppermint Patty's forced to take it. All of the... Hit with an S in front of it. In the last 24 hours, it happened. Peppermint's sitting there like, how do I answer this? And he's like, is it time for like a course correction? Maybe, you know, fix some stuff or something? <laughs> Watch, this is great. Check this out. Go ahead. Um, I had a couple specific ones, but I wanted to kind of follow on that. Um, you're determining next steps. I mean, frankly, things just seem like they're going pretty poorly right now. For, for the White House, the, you know, build back betters being blocked, voting rights being blocked, diplomatic talks with Russia doesn't seem to have brought us back from the, rank, the brink of war, inflation's at a 40-year high, the virus is setting records for infection. So as we kind of hit this one-year period and a period where everything seems like it's in pretty rough shape or nearly everything, um, which is not an invitation, I guess, to list off. <laughs> um, some other things. Uh, I, I'm, I'm wondering at what point do you take stock and say that things need to change internally, whether it's your outreach for the Hill, whether it's the leadership within the White House. Uh, it, you seem to be stymied on an incredible number of fronts right now. Folks, none of this is obviously for I mean, this is like, really, this is, I mean, this is just humiliating. It's This is humiliating. Yeah. She's got to sit there and listen to all of it. All of it. The litany of crap that we've had to deal with from this pino. My gosh, is it? If there was ever a president who resigned in American history for incompetence, this guy should, should be for sheer incompetence. Forget about like Nixon and Watergate. Just pure incompetence. It is time this guy, he has to go. Now, this reminds me of something. Because anybody, I mean, you, you, it's important to add some color to this to explain to you why this stuff matters. You know, folks, the other day, just bear with me for a second. Paula comes in. She's watching the national championship game, Alabama, Georgia. Uh, the next morning, forgive me. She's, I had missed the last uh, quarter and a half or so because I was tired. I had to go to sleep. I got to get up in the morning and go to work, right? Love football, but it, not that much. Um, so Paula, you know, she didn't know a lot about football, but she's getting into it now because we've gone to some games and she's starting to like it. She watched the whole thing to her credit. So the next day she, we, I wake up and we're talking and she's like, Dan, I, I just can't believe like how quickly things in, in football, you know, change. They're marching down the field and they look like they're winning. And next thing you know, uh, Georgia wins the game. And I said, you know what? I'm going to use this for the show, Paula. You know what it reminds me of? And if an outsider to politics, just like Paula was an outsider to football, Joe, we mentioned it before, right? The big mo. Yeah. Momentum. It is real, folks. I get it. You can't touch it. You can't feel it. You can't caress the big mo, okay? It's not material. But momentum in politics is a thing. It is, it just put it in a search engine. Everyone who's ever run for office, been a political consultant or been actively involved in politics, you can feel it. You don't know when it happens, but you know it's happening. 
Momentum by this administration has been entirely lost, just like in a football game. You know that moment where you guys feel like you can't possibly lose this game? Can't possibly. That old Bills-Oilers game. Oilers were up by, what, 27 at halftime? Bills come back and win? What was There's that one moment where both sides are staring each other down. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. Everything's changing. And then it goes in the other way. Like Biden, Biden got the, you know, got an office. He was so excited with Kamala Harris. Oh, look, we're going to change the country. And at some point it started to shift. They were staring conservatives down. Now it's flipped. The dipsy do, the flipper. The big mo is lost. Momentum is lost. And believe me when I tell you, every single person in DC can feel it. Everyone. They're getting desperate now. And here's why I'm worried. When you lose the big mo and momentum, that's the reason I'm discussing this, not just to poke fun at them. Although watching Peppermint Patty's response is just classic right there. It's a, now they're going to get desperate. Again, time check, folks. Uh, Friday, January 14th. Sadly, mark my words, now we're going to get into desperation territory. It happened with Obama. Remember with Obama? Remember when he said initially, you guys remember this? When he was talking about immigration, he said, you know, I can't just do this stuff and legalize all these people and give them their working papers in the United States. And then he went and did it anyway. Obama wasn't half as desperate as Joe Biden. At least he had approval on the Democrat side. Biden's collapsing, collapsing. I'm afraid he's going to get desperate now. I'm not kidding. What do you mean get desperate? I think we're going to see a series of clearly unconstitutional, unethical, and immoral executive orders as he desperately tries to save his presidency. And I think you're going to see increasingly deranged rhetoric from this guy who has turned to now screaming and yelling and berating Americans and calling them segregationists. I'm concerned. Uh, let me just add, I'm also concerned what could come out of the DOJ. Yesterday, you heard about that arrest of the Oath Keeper for sedition. Sedition. Sedition? Folks, I am really concerned they are going to start to weaponize this January 6th community at DOJ, and this is going to get worse. Again, time check, Friday, January 14th. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, flag. Joe's Joe's good. He's keeping a list, and he's, believe me, he's checking it twice. So the Supreme Court, you saw it, ruled against him yesterday. Post-Millennial has a story be in my newsletter today. Supreme Court blocked Biden's vaccine, Biden vaccine mandate for large workplaces. That led to this litany of charges by the reporter and my opening riff today telling you just how bad the flurry of losses is getting for this guy. So what happened just quickly? You probably heard a lot of news coverage on it. I don't like to waste your time. There were specifically two mandates in that were being heard in front of the Supreme Court. We had the OSHA mandate. That was the mandate for workplaces with 100 or more people, the vaccine mandate. Everybody tracking? The second mandate was a CMS mandate, Center for Medicaid Medicare Services. That said, if you're taking federal money uh, for health care, basically, and you're a health care facility, your people have to be vaccinated. That mandate stood. Kavanaugh bailed on us and Justice Roberts, which is no surprise. Kavanaugh has been wishy-washy and all this stuff. I'm, I'm losing faith quickly. On the OSHA mandate, that went down in flames 6-3, as you would have expected, right? That went down in flames. So now they're going to have a real problem. And ladies and gentlemen, a lot of these companies, the company I've been fighting with, again, Cumulus, they're going to have a real problem. They're going to have real problems going forward with these mandates. They were praying that this thing would be upheld in the Supreme Court. And now they took an enormous, enormous loss. And the interesting thing is in the actual Supreme Court, uh, uh, Supreme Court transcript from what happened in the briefs there and the uh, ruling, Something cited in there, which is really incredible. What's cited in there is Ron Klain, 
the President uh, Biden's chief of staff, the hapless Ron Klain, who, like a buffoon, as Sean Davis noted on his Twitter account, Sean's Sean's, uh, awesome. This guy's terrific. Sean from the Federalist says, hey, props to Biden chief of staff Ron Klain, whose idiotic retweet characterizing the illegal vax, it's been a great tweet, the illegal vax mandate as a, quote, workaround for the federal government to force vaccination found its way into the concurring Supreme Court opinion, nuking the vax mandate. Folks, let me just say, uh, right? I mean, seriously, <laughs> what a dunce. Here it is in the Supreme Court ruling right here. It seems too, this is Gorsuch, that the agency pursued its regulatory initiative only as a legislative workaround. Quick backstory on this and note to uh, all of you potential future White House, uh, White House chiefs of staff out there. If an MSNBC correspondent, like they did on Twitter, tweets that, hey, listen, this vaccine mandate may not be legal, but they found a workaround in the Constitution. If you're the White House chief of staff like Ron Klain, just the, uh, Joe, in some circles again, pal, they call this a clue. Yeah. Here's a clue. You may not want to retweet that <laughs> if you're the White House chief of staff about a workaround. <laughs> just throwing that out there because you may find your retweet makes its way into a Supreme Court a justice concurrence uh, writing right here. What a dunce this guy is. He should be fired tomorrow. No, no. You know what? I take that back. Keep him on. Now, keep seriously, keep do not fire Ron Klain. He's like, Devin, Dan, what are you doing? He's doing this. Oh, Ron Klain, give this guy a promotion. Give him a raise, 20%. Maybe you get ahead of the Biden inflation. It'd only be 13% because inflation's 7%. This was me. I hate playing this stuff. I rarely do it. But Gee, as is Gee, Gee thinks we should do. So I'm going to throw it. This was me warning how bad of an idea these vaccine mandates were, how this was going to go down in flames. I told them nobody listens. Uh, I'm actually glad they don't because now they've been embarrassed and the country can move forward. Hopefully check this out. Here's the White House chief of staff, Ron Klain, actually retweeting an MSNBC host here, noted by another guy, Matthew Hamilton. The MSNBC host tweeted this OSHA doing this vaccine mandate as an emergency workplace safety rule is the ultimate workaround for the federal government to require vaccinations workaround. It's retweeted by the white house chief of staff work around what the law as someone else noted in this thread, um, literacy tests and poll taxes were workarounds too to prevent groups of people from voting. There's a reason we don't allow workarounds. And the fact that the White House chief of staff just implicitly endorsed it, it well, explicitly endorsed this by retweeting it, they, I'm telling you, I will be stunned if this survives a court challenge. Stunned. Well, thank you, Guy, for finding that. I, I, I remember that segment. I remember the exact words. I'm actually hearing it for the first time. Yeah. Poll taxes were a workaround, too. I mean, imagine a workaround if your rules for, hey, we're only allowing people 21 in the bar to drink. Well, have a workaround. Um, If you're 19, we're just going to add two and let you in. That doesn't sound like a rule, man. The whole idea of a rule, Joe, right, is that there's not a workaround. We have a series of rules and procedures called the Constitution. Yeah, there's no workaround. So, again, not to beat this to death, but Ron Klain. You definitely deserve a raise today. Thank you for retweeting that tweet. You're famous now. You're in a Supreme Court ruling. Good for you. Uh, As if the day couldn't have gotten any worse, 7% inflation, 33% approval for Biden. Nobody likes this guy. Uh, Supreme Court smoking the vaccine mandate, at least one of them. 
Kirsten Cinema, a Democrat senator uh, from Arizona, they need Kirsten Cinema. They need every single Democrat in the Senate to help them change the rules so they can nuke the filibuster and get their election hijacking bill, known as the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, passed. Well, seems like Kirsten Cinema not on board with that one either. This is the bad day you thought couldn't get any worse that got worse when Kirsten Cinema went to the floor, got it on record when she said this doozy. And while I continue to support these bills, I will not support separate actions that worsen the underlying disease of division infecting our country. The debate over the Senate 60 vote threshold shines a light on our broader challenges. There's no need for me to restate my longstanding support for the 60 vote threshold to pass legislation. There's no need for me to restate its role protecting our country from wild reversals in federal policy. It is a view I've held during my years serving in both the U.S. House and the Senate. And it is the view I continue to hold. It is the belief that I have shared many times in public settings and in private settings. Senators of both parties have offered ideas, including some that would earn my support, to make this body more productive, more deliberative, more responsive to Americans' needs, and a place of genuine debate about our country's pressing issues. So there we go, folks. Now you don't have just one Democrat, Joe Manchin, saying no to nuking the filibuster. Now you have two. Folks, they don't have the numbers. The numbers aren't there. They need 50 plus one. Kamala Harris is a tie-breaking vote. They need that to change the rules. They don't have the numbers. That's why I told you before, and I'll say it again, I'm getting worried. Because as we've seen in the past, where Republicans will course correct when things go bad, good ones, some crappy ones don't care. Democrats won't. Their whole guiding ethos is tyranny and government control. When the government they want to control collapses around them, you see them lurch for more power and do increasingly crazy things. I am very, very concerned where this is going to go next. Very concerned. All right, coming up next, I've got uh, a, a tweet that really is an earthquake in politics about how just how bad, believe it or not, Biden's week got worse. And you include that in the beginning. Some video of Saki and the, um, a very, very troubling development, as I said earlier in the show, about the desperation of Joe Biden and how this could lead to this coming up next. Don't, don't miss this, please. Very concerned about this. With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a law that puts your data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall credit card bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks, all so that corporate mega stores can make bigger profits. Don't let Durbin Marshall steal your data. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com security and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Paid for by Electronic Payments Coalition. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. So moving on again, Biden's really awful, terrible, horrendous, atrocious week. Joe has just gotten worse. 
Believe it or not, it can get worse. This would be an earthquake in politics that would change everything if this poll, uh, let's say, materializes his votes or the lack thereof in the next election. This is a tweet by Giancarlo Sopo, his verified account. Talks about a new poll by Quinnipiac University. It's Joe Biden's approval rating amongst Hispanic voters, which, folks, I never thought I'd be saying this with a straight face. Joe Biden is so awful. His approval rating amongst Hispanic voters, I thought it was going to take us a little longer to work in the Hispanic community, is now lower than his approval rating among white voters. Man. His Hispanic approval, you think? His Hispanic approval rating, Joe, 28%. Whoa. Approval rating amongst white voters. 32%. Neither one, by the way, is a means for celebration. Biden, Sopo notes, 23 points with Hispanic. A, Biden is negative 23 points with Hispanic voters. A seismic shift in American politics, ladies and gentlemen. What's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gee, Joe, Gee wants to, he thinks it's because uh, the, uh, the uh, Hispanic community just hasn't caught on with the Latinx craze yet. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keep it up. Keep it up, Dems. Latinx, it's working so well. Please keep it up. Don't stop. You keep that right up. Keep talking to Hispanic voters, too, like they're robots and automatons. Listen, I, candidly, I thought it was going to take a little longer. This is an earthquake. Why is it an earthquake? Because the Democrats' entire demographic long-term plan was to build a constituency of minority voters, Hispanics, Blacks, other minorities as well, female voters, and young kids. Once they nailed that constituency down, they felt they had a base to win every national election going forward, right? You lose a major portion of that, Hispanic voters. And ladies and gentlemen, you can bury the Democrat Party for a generation. This is an earthquake in politics. All right, let me move on because I've got a ton of material to get to today. This is, um, is going to be one of those shows. You're going to... Yeah, he's right. He brought up another good point. It's another reason they're so desperate to push through the uh, Biden election hijacking plan right before 2022. You think they don't know these numbers? Uh, you think they don't read what's going on in Twitter and Facebook and other platforms out there? Of course they're seeing it. Here's an audio video yesterday of Jen Psaki. Uh, here's Psaki yesterday, which is a perfect segue, by the way, uh, talking about the hypocrisy. She's asked a question by a reporter. So Biden is desperate to hijack the election before 2022 with the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, which would basically steal away voter ID and would reinstitute a form of preclearance, meaning they could sue any state that tries to change their election laws, right? That's what they want. They want to just sue the hell out of everyone. They're kind of already preparing for an electoral bloodbath in 2022. They know it's going to happen. But a reporter asks a good question. If the impetus for Biden to push the John Lewis Voting Rights Act was the new state voting legislation in Georgia, right? The state voting legislation that tightened up uh, their elections over there and really pushed election integrity over there. If that was the impetus to do it, then one of the reporters asked Saki, if Biden's so upset about the Georgia voting law, why isn't he upset about New Jersey and Delaware, which have, you know, what I guess you say, tougher air quotes voting laws, laws than Georgia. They don't have as long vo uh, early voting or the, a lot of the ballot box contingencies even Georgia has. Why isn't he upset about that? And listen to Saki's not answer answer. Check this out. Has the president ever reached out to Democratic states and, you know, 
you know, states like New York that don't have you know, early in-person voting, or New Jersey or Delaware that have some different laws that exist, you know, maybe down south, and called and encouraged them to loosen their voting laws to bring them in line with some of the restrictions he's objecting to being rolled back right now. Well, I think, look, I think the president's view on expanding access to voting, whether it's the expansion of early voting or the number of mail-in voting boxes, uh, steps we know works to increase uh, the participation of people in the process is something it's very well known that he partic- that he view- that he strongly supports. Uh, the DNC typically does a lot of the outreach on election implementation, but I don't think it's a secret where the president stands. And certainly you heard him say that earlier this week and convey it again on Capitol Hill today. So the president wants early voting to be expanded to, you know, more and more and more days and want to be able to accept ballots after election day. And yet in Democrat states, that's not, that's not happening. And yet when asked about why that is, why hasn't he challenged the election laws in his home state of Delaware? Oh, don't worry. The DNC does it. You know, I I said yesterday in my radio show, and I, I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast or not, but You tell me an item Democrats claim to believe in on principle, whatever it is, low taxes, public education, no school choice. I will show you how the Democrats are frauds. Hey, we believe in uh, expanded early voting. Okay, well, that's not happening in Biden's home state of Delaware. Oh, well, it's okay. It's Delaware. And people continue to fall for it. They magically continue to fall for it. It's really stunning. Now, one of the things I mentioned earlier in the show is Desperation time is kicking in right now for the Biden administration. Folks, I showed you the Greenwald tweet in the beginning of the show. This, You'd have a hard time finding a worse week for a presidency. Uh, I'm not kidding. In the last 30 years. I mean, this has been dreadful. We've had bad weeks, no doubt about it. You would have a hard time finding a worse week anywhere. Between the inflation numbers, the low approval ratings, the low approval ratings amongst Hispanic voters. Uh, the failure of uh, his his voting rights bill because they won't back the filibuster, it, the inflation numbers, it has been abysmal. I'm getting worried, though, and I want, you know, everyone, we got to put our serious hats on here. Sometimes, you know, we joke a little bit during the show, as you well know, but I'm extremely concerned that desperation time is now setting in for the Biden administration and desperate administrations who want to cling to power, especially totalitarians like Democrats. Believe me, I will show you a poll in a little bit about vaccine mandates that will conclusively prove my point that Democrats, large swaths of them, not small numbers, have now gone totally tyrannical and totalitarian. The numbers speak for themselves. It's no longer an opinion. And when you get totalitarians power, they don't want to give it up. I am very, very concerned. I'm going to go through a few exhibits here. How the Democrats now and Biden are going to weaponize the DOJ to change the definition of what we would call domestic terrorism, right? And I believe they're going to do it to target the Bill of Rights. Well, that's a dramatic statement. Yeah, I wish it weren't. Unfortunately, it happens to be true. This is what they're doing right now. I want you to watch first. This is exhibit A here in the Democrats push to redefine what they call domestic terrorism in what I believe is going to be a push to target you. Here's exhibit A. This is a uh, Senator Maggie, uh, Maisie, excuse me, Maggie, uh, Maisie, Maisie, spit it out, Dan, Hirono, a dreadful senator, um, very, not very bright either. Um, I'm just telling you what people so you can just put it in the internet yourself, uh, search engine. Maisie Hirono questioning the head of the National Security Division at the DOJ, a very dangerous fellow, this guy by the name of Olson, 
Um, and they start talking about this new domestic terrorism unit. Tucker addressed this last night. Ladies and gentlemen, this is deeply, deeply concerning. I want you to listen to the answers here he gives. I'm going to hit a very specific point in the other end of this. Check this out. Is what happened on January 6th domestic terrorism? Mr. Olson? Ms. Sanborn? The Department of Justice and the FBI have been clear that the attacks, the events that occurred on January 6th are being investigated as an act of domestic terrorism. And you quoted from the federal code definition of domestic terrorism, which, if I may, you know, involves acts dangerous to human life that are a violation of criminal law and in part that are intended uh, to influence the policy of a government by intimidation or, co or coercion. So I think it's entirely appropriate that January 6th events are generally being investigated as acts of domestic terrorism. Having said that, it's important to add that in any particular case, it will depend on the actual facts and circumstances of that case, which, of course, are now ongoing uh, in, in the investigation and prosecution stages. Notice how Maisie Hirono, colluding with Olson, the DOJ here, openly in front of us, right in front of our faces, uses January 6th, which was a lot of things. Domestic terrorism, it was not, not by any sane definition of the term. Notice how she uses January 6th to get this hack running our now National Security Division, one of the most powerful people on the planet, this guy Olson, to say, yes, January 6th was definitely domestic terrorism. And we're going to be investigating this going forward. But notice the criteria he states for domestic terrorism. And I want you to notice what he didn't say. So he says the criteria are acts in violation of U.S. criminal law intended to influence the politics, basically, of the U.S. government. Oh, really? That's a fascinating definition. Does the attack on the White House? Yes, the siege on the White House when Trump had to be evacuated to the bunker. Remember the left thought that was hilarious? Oh, bunker boy. They thought it was funny that the president's life was legitimately in danger. Where Secret Service agents were attacked and assaulted. Fires were set across the street. Objects were thrown. Agents and officers were severely hurt. Remember that? When the White House's threat level was elevated for hours at a time because of the ongoing attack on the White House? Attack, yes, people were hurt. You're like, Dan, I hadn't heard about that. Did you miss that during the George Floyd, you know, mostly peaceful rallies? How is that not an act of violence intended to influence the politics of the U.S. government? They wanted the police defunded. How is that, by the way? Is Olson going to be investigating the people involved there? Of course not. He's a grotesque hack about who's obsessed with power, drinking the power Kool-Aid, and he'll be targeting people like me and you next. Because his definition of domestic terrorism, acts intended to influence the government in violation of U.S. law, only appear to apply to political causes he can leverage to benefit Maisie Hirono and the Democrat Party. What about the Portland courthouse? Remember again the defund the police George Floyd riots when Antifa engaged in a multi-day, multi-week assault on the Portland courthouse, tried to set it on fire with people inside? Believe, uh, Joe, those are acts of violence intended to influence government policy. I mean, it was a government courthouse. That's I'm true. just throwing that out there. Yeah. Sounds kind of like, am I wrong? Sounds kind of like domestic terrorism to me. It did happen domestically, and that was actual terrorism. Wondering where Olson is on that one. The answer is he's nowhere. 
folks, it's someone who, again, had the powers a federal agent is given by the people, had a commission book that said so. This kind of stuff is so deeply concerning to me and should be deeply concerning to you. The Bill of Rights is being flushed down the toilet. And desperate times in this administration will lead to more desperate measures. Do not be surprised if what I'm telling you comes true. Do not be surprised if the Biden administration starts to double down on just jackbooted thuggery next. You doubt me? You think this is overly dramatic? Here's the same guy, Olson, head of the Department of Justice's National Security Division, one of the most powerful people on the planet right now. Here he says, here's why we're establishing this domestic terrorism unit. This is just terrific. He says, we're going to attest that because of the assessment of the intelligence community. And I want you to notice specifically what he says here. Here, check this out. The attacks in recent years underscore the threat that domestic terrorism continues to pose to our citizens, to law enforcement officers, to public officials, and to our democratic institutions. Based on the assessment of the intelligence community, we face an elevated threat from domestic violent extremists. That is individuals in the United States who seek to commit violent criminal acts in furtherance of domestic, social, or political goals. Domestic violent extremists are often motivated by a mix of ideologies and personal grievances. We've seen a growing threat from those who are motivated by racial animus, as well as those who ascribe to extremist, anti-government, and anti-authority ideologies. At the same time, we remain vigilant to the persistent and dynamic threat from international terrorist groups such as ISIS and Al-Qaeda. As the Attorney General has observed, combating the threat of domestic terrorism has been a core mission for the Department of Justice since its founding more than 150 years ago, when the newly formed department pursued the KKK to protect the rights of Black Americans under the Constitution. Today, investigating and prosecuting domestic violent extremists is one of our top priorities. This is insane. This is insane. He sounds like there he's describing Antifa and BLM, doesn't it? People motivated by anti-authority, whatever, social justice. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about you. That's not what he's talking about at all. Notice his invocation of the KKK later to imply you all are racist other. That's exactly what he's doing. Why is this dangerous? I'm going to get to why this is dangerous in a second. Ladies and gentlemen, freedom and liberty and freedom from government, um, uh, you know, from, from, uh, from out of control government tyranny has to matter. I'm going to get to that in a second. This is super important stuff. I'm going to give you some inside perspective on it. Also got some video of Biden uh, talking about, uh, you know, going after free speech again and implying social media companies should help him out. Don't miss that. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, folks, uh, getting back to this. Here are the uh, useful idiots in the media ushering in this new tyranny we're going to see with an assault on the domestic population of the United States using anti-terror tools that have no place here. We already have laws in place. Why does this matter? I was a federal agent. I've said it a thousand times. Ladies and gentlemen, by pretending 
that there is this expanding threat of massive insurrection from Trump supporters. What does it allow the FBI to do? Think this through. Why is Biden doing this? Not only is it a PR offense of using media people, I'll show you that in a second here. It's about money. It's always been about money. The FBI is a limited budget. It's not unlimited. Biden wants the FBI using their tools, not to investigate foreign terrorism and financial crimes to the degree they did in the past. He wants them investigating you. And by making sure you have a new unit and a new resource category, they can move money over. That's why this is happening. Here's a perfect example of why it's a PR campaign too, not just the money one. Here are the media useful idiots ushering in a new era of tyranny and trying to blame it all uh, on Donald Trump. Useful idiots. They put domestic terror, violent extremism here in the United States above threats from um, international uh, terrorists. It's more it's more worrisome what is happening here than what what might come over here. That's absolutely correct. And I think the balance really changed, uh, to be honest, when President Trump took office. He was a galvanizing force that, at least for a lot of extremist groups, uh, they saw him as an empowering force. Uh, He talked a lot uh, about issues that that spoke to them. They didn't always work together, but they saw unity underneath his banner. And I think that's why you saw such a diverse set of militia groups show up uh, with QAnon supporters uh, on January 6th. And separately, you see the online space is just absolutely, in my opinion, out of control between COVID-19, mass mandates and white supremacy. It is a lot of violence out there. There you go. Media jumps right in. I told you desperate Joe Biden is getting ready to do desperate things. You would think the media would be calling him out and say, listen, um, that's a little odd to have a federal law enforcement agency with such a open mandate to go and target who they they deem as domestic terrorists. Couldn't that result in some political recrimination? No, no, no. Not if they don't ask any of those questions. Uh, and here, here's part two of it. Here's Joe Biden yesterday, because part two of his plan is going to be to label you a domestic terrorist so you're not allowed to speak on any big tech platforms. And big tech is all in with them. Facebook, ScrewTube, Twitter, they are all in. The whole socialist regime, speech suppression regime. Here's Biden directly calling for censorship, apparently never having read the Bill of Rights or the First Amendment. A government official calling on social media companies to suppress messages on COVID he doesn't agree with. Check this out. If you haven't gotten vaccinated, do it. Personal choice impacts us all, our hospitals, our countries. I make a special appeal to social media companies and media outlets. Please deal with the misinformation and disinformation that's on your shows. It has to stop. COVID-19 is one of the most formidable enemies America has ever faced. We've got to work together, not against each other. It's incredible. The sources of misinformation have been the media and the left. The Wuhan lab leak, the unnecessary allegiance to the effectiveness of vaccines without asking questions early on. And you now have a president of the United States in one of the first times I've seen in American history directly calling for the First Amendment to get thrown out the window using the force and wink and nod power of the presidency to demand private companies censor free speech. This is incredible. And the media is going along with it. We are in desperate times. I'll show you more of that um, in a minute, proving my point, how much trouble we're in. Folks, just before we get to that, as you can see, another story, it'll be in my newsletter today, uh, CNS News. So we've collected record tax collections in the first three months of the year, uh, over a trillion dollars. I only bring this up because we're still in massive debt. Again, proving the misinformation well is on the left. We have a tax problem. We do. We just raised record tax revenue. We're still running massive debts. 
Maybe it's not the taxes. Maybe it's your spending. Ah, maybe think that through. You got the weekend to think about it. Speaking of the weekend, don't miss my show, Unfiltered, Saturday night, 10 p.m. Again, set your DVR. Don't miss it. I got Don Jr., Dave Portnoy this weekend, Maximo Alvarez. Remember, he gave that, that tear-jerking speech at the RNC. And I've got a great debate. Got Jesse Waters, Pete Hegseth as well. Don't miss the show. Saturday night's a loaded show. Saturday, 10 p.m. Set your DVR, Unfiltered, or Fox News. Hope you can make it live. So uh, yesterday, just a quick personal note, I um, was doing some taping and some recording. And I'm starving. I had a really long day yesterday. I come downstairs. And uh, I asked my wife, just can you please get me something to eat? She says, I'll just grab you some Chipotle quick because my wife was out running around too. So I see this on the counter. This is an actual photo on my counter. If you're watching on Rumble, it's a Chipotle bowl with an aluminum sheet of aluminum foil on top. So I text my wife. I said, why did you put a sheet of aluminum foil over the Chipotle? What happened to the top? I thought maybe she ate some or something like that, which is fine, but she should have told me. She said, I'm not kidding. She said, I was in Chipotle down here uh, in Stewart, and they not only were out of steak, they were out of tops. So they had to put aluminum foil sheets. So here it is, fellas. The LGB cowbell again, which is getting a lot of use. Let's go, Brandon. Nice job, Joey B. Well done. Chipotle doesn't have steak, doesn't even have tops for the food. Well done, Joe. Now, folks, I had told you early on in the show that one of the things I'm worried about is this desperation. The desperation, the lies, the misinformation. As Joe Biden gets more desperate, we're going to see Democrats get more desperate too. Democrats don't have an emergency break in their behavior. We do. We believe in God-given rights. That means no matter how much we disagree with our political opponents, the emergency break in our behavior is we will not attack. We will not, definitely not violently attack. Uh, do, we will not attempt to do things to them that they would do to us because God and, and our God-given rights and their rights to prevent us from doing that. The Democrats don't have that. And I'm getting very worried about this streak of tyranny on the left and their love affair with it. KGB defector Yuri Bezmenov, we played this clip before, has warned us about this in the past. Don't rely on the goodness of people and the so-called fake tolerance coexistence of the Democrats. That is nonsense. The tyranny streak is strong with them. I want you to listen to this. I want to show you an article next proving his point. Check this out. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already. Uh, for the last 25 years, actually, it's overfulfilled because demoralization now reaches such areas where previously not even Comrade Andropov and, and all his experts would, would even dream of such a tremendous success. Most of it is done by Americans to Americans thanks to lack of moral standards. As I mentioned before, uh, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. A person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Uh, even if I shower him with information, with, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it until he, he is going to receive a kick in, the, in his fat bottom. When a military boot crashes his then he will understand, but not before that. That's the tragic of the situation of demoralization. You hear it, Joe? That a person who's yeah. been demoralized is immune to facts. There's nothing you can tell them. The tyranny will kick them right in the teeth and they won't see it till you walk them to the concentration camps themselves. Bezmanov sadly called it again you doubt me look at this article in the washington examiner 
This is in my newsletter today, Bongino.com slash newsletter. Please read it by Paul Bedard. This is not a joke. Here's the headline. Democrats are okay with fines, prison, and mandates for vaccine deniers, says a poll. Rasmussen asked people if they favor home confinement for those who are not vaccinated. On the GOP side, 79% were opposed to that, while 59% of Democrats favored it. The survey also asked about those who challenged the, gov- challenged the government's view of vaccines and if opponents, Joe, should be jailed or fined oh. for questioning the government on social media. A remarkable 48% of Democrats supported those punishments. You know what else was in the piece? Here, here's the, uh, here's the coup de gras. 29% of Democrats supported taking away people's kids who don't get the vaccine. Folks, tell me again how the domestic terror threat is on the right. Tell me that again, please, with a straight face. People who are demoralized and defeated, Joe Biden and the Democrats, are immune to facts. This is only going to get worse. You've been warned. I'm only citing their actual poll data, their answers, their answers. All right. One more just quick tweet before I get to your questions, folks. Phil Kirpin's great. Uh, Follow him on social media everywhere. He notes, again, showing you how the left entirely immune to facts, doubling down. They will do anything to maintain allegiance to a vaccine that has failed to stop the transmission of Omicron. Anything, including destroying our healthcare system when we need it most. Phil Kirpin notes in his tweet, did you know this, folks? We've lost 49,000 staffed hospital beds in the last year and 16,000 hospital beds in just the last 30 days. And now the Biden administration is celebrating the Supreme Court, letting them fire nurses and doctors who've already had COVID for declining a vaccine that doesn't reduce Omicron transmission. The left doesn't care. They want you punished. Don't forget the golden rule. We think the left are people with bad ideas. The left thinks we're bad people with ideas and they want us punished. The data speaks for itself. You've been warned. People like Evan Osnard and the left tell me, oh, Dan Bongino is trafficking in fear. I'm trafficking in truth. The fact that it makes you frightened because of what you, Osnard, and others are covering. I get it why you want to make me go away. Exposing the truth and the data in the polls makes you nervous. You look yourself in the mirror and you want to believe you're on the side of justice. You've been on the side of tyranny the whole time. Disgusting. All right, here's what I got coming up. I have the questions for Dan. We have some good questions this week. I'll fire through a lot of them. Really good stuff. Don't miss it. All right, it's time for questions with Dan. All right. Oh, we have eight or nine questions. These are good ones this week. Question one from Andy K. Hey, Dan, have you ever transformed a liberal and they admitted it to you? Thanks for all you do. Watch your podcast and unfiltered and I never miss. God bless. Well, God bless you too, Andy K. Yes, yes, repeatedly. Um, we get emails every day from uh, liberals, diehard liberals, as a matter of fact, say, oh, my roommate had your stuff on. I hated you. I thought you were a jerk. You were scaring us. And I realized what you're saying was true. Yeah, we get them all the time. I don't publish your emails, you know, because a lot of them ask me not to. But yes, yes, I promise you, we get them all the time. Uh, Good question. Uh, Question two. Hey, Dan, 
Can you further explain or dumb down the explanation of the filibuster as well as what it means to our democracy if it remains intact or if it's removed? That's by Michelle J.H.G. Yeah, it's really simple. Right now, due to Senate rules, there's nothing in the Constitution that, 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 that mandates it, but the Senate rules indicate that in order to get a non-reconciliation pass bill, you have to get 60 votes, 60 out of 100. The House is just a simple majority. That's been the case for, you know, eons, right? The Democrats want to change it to 50 because they have the majority with Kamala Harris being the breaking vote, being the, uh, the break the tie, right? It's a 50-50 Senate. It's really that simple. They just want to be able to have, you know, fewer votes. They want fewer votes to be able to pass legislation. What does it mean for democracy? Well, it means that if Republicans stick to their guns and take the Senate back the next time and the filibuster goes out the window, they can do the same thing. So I've said yesterday, I'll say it again. If they want to throw the filibuster out the window, let them do it. Go ahead. Get Manchin and Cinema on the record. Get them to do it. We'll get them out of office, and then we'll go pass a bunch of stuff next time. It's really that simple. 60 votes now. They want it to be 51. Next question. Hey, Dan, what's going on with the home raid of James O'Keefe at Project Veritas regarding the Ashley Biden diary? It's been very quiet. Very good question, B. Armentrout. We will be asking James O'Keefe that in an interview show this Monday on the podcast. Please don't miss it. Rumble.com slash Bongino. If you want to see it, it's also want to be in our podcast channels, podcast channels, rumble.com slash Bongino. We will ask James that directly. It's a good question. Freedom Junkie says, hey, Dan, love your podcast and shows. This was a touching one. I'm a recovering drug addict, and I just hit my seven-year anniversary. Congratulations, and God bless you. He says, when I got clean, I became hyper-political. I've been pondering the idea of running for office, and my question is this. With my history of drug addiction, is it going to be a death sentence for me? I'm always completely open about my past, and I'm not ashamed of it, but would it be used against me? Um. Wow. One, God bless you in your recovery. Yeah, I know, you know, wow. Joe and I is a very sensitive topic of uh, both of us. Uh, yeah, one good for you for, for deciding that you might want to run for office and have the guts to put your name on about. I did it, lost, but I'm proud of it too. I'll say this. There is a candidate I know ran and won a seat in Congress. You know, I'll say it's By- Byron Donalds. He's a great guy, superb guy, great family, good family man. High character individual, Byron Donalds. Byron Donalds, he put out an ad. I think he'd been arrested in the past or whatever it was. And Byron Donalds, one of his first ads was like, yeah, you know what? I was arrested. I did some dumb stuff when I was a kid. Um, You know, actually glad it happened because I learned from it. It was a great ad. I actually texted him and said, this is amazing. And you know what happened, folks? He completely defenestrated uh, his uh, his competition who were going to use that against him. My suggestion to you, just come out, be honest with it. Celebrate your seven-year anniversary. Tell everybody what you learned from it, how you've used it to educate others about the dangers of drug use. And uh, go for it, man. Do I think it'd be used against you? Only if you let it. Great question. Yeah. Good question. Yeah, Joe, yeah you're right. Damn right. You deserve a round of applause for that. Next one's by Charlie Chesser. <laughs> Someone's going to nail me with one of these names one day. You know that, right? It's Really, it's coming soon. <laughs> hey, Dan. I'm running for Joplin R8 school board here in Missouri, and I want to know if there are parallel economy businesses that can help me with websites, collecting donations and suggestions. I don't want to do fake book. Besides, they might censor me for being anti-mandates. Thanks. You inspired me to run. I appreciate that. Uh, Thanks for uh, doing what I can do from the bottom up. Yes, I will be making an announcement, I think, this coming Tuesday. 
about another parallel economy venture I'm involved in where, yes, we can help you. Um, but I would suggest you do get on Facebook. You're running for office. It's places awful over there. But, you know, you really do need to talk to people. I've said that before. I'm not recommending anybody pull their accounts down. I just think you should start accounts on these other platforms as well. Rumble, Parler, Locals, these other platforms as well. Uh, e Blackwood 1776 says, hey, Dan, what time do you start working on the day's podcast? How long does it take to get the show ready to release? I start at 6 a.m. every morning. I'm a schedule guy. I believe in schedules. I believe in discipline. It takes us about three hours. I'm usually done by about 8.15, 8.30. We do a rundown call uh, with my radio people and Guy. Guy then uploads the stuff with Joe. Joe cuts all of the content from like 6 to 8. It takes Joe about two hours. Um, Guy about two hours. Jim about two hours, but the show six to nine, about three hours. Um, and well, if you count the reading the night before, probably four hours. Uh, next question. So thanks for that. Hey, Dan, based on the changes that are happening with Fox's Saturday lineup, you know, Jesse and Janine are moving. Are you concerned the modifications uh, may change your, uh, may, uh, may, what they may do to your show, such as changing your time slot, for example, Philip H. Uh, we'll have some news on that coming up. On the Saturday lineup, we are still there Saturday night, 10 o'clock, unfiltered. Uh, hopefully, it'll be some good news coming up. I'm pretty sure it will. So uh, stay tuned and thanks for the question. Uh, next one. Hey, Dan, since economics is your passion, why didn't you pursue something in that field? RHK Wyatt, I did pursue something in my field after I got my MBA, but then the uh, activism bug caught me and I ran for office. So I did do that. Uh, I did pursue something in the economics field. Joe, surprise, this one's for you, buddy. I didn't tell you. I'll read it for you. Hey, Dan, this is by Elder Arcane. Question for Joe. What has it been like working with Dan all these years? I know this is a question for Dan, but I wanted to show my support for Joe as well. It's Friday, always starts my weekend off right. So there you go, Joe. What's it like? All right, well, thank you for the question. Thank you for the compliment. Uh, it's Friday's always meant to get people going in the right direction for the weekend. And I'll tell you what, Dan and I have worked for such a long time, and not to sugarcoat yeah. it, no sugarcoating. It's been a pain Wait. in the rump sometimes. It's, uh, yeah, it's very And we worked for free at one time when we were starting out. Uh, I was working at uh, WCBM in Baltimore and another uh, podcast outlet and doing the show with Dan. And that's how I was keeping the money coming in. But it's been a really, really, it, it, it's been an eye-opening journey for me. Um, we have always made it a point to give you the very best possible production we possibly can. Dan agrees with that. We, we work steadily at that. And, um, it's, it's, you know, it's like any other job, I guess it's, it's what you can make it, you know? And, uh, well, Joe's it, not lying it, about that either. Yeah. Joe early on, I offered Joe money early and he didn't want it. He's like, I believe in you so much. Yeah. I'll work here for free because yep. I know this is going to be. I remember that. I mean, I was like, you sure? Because we didn't really have any money, to be honest with no. you. No. And uh, Joe didn't start getting paid till we were like months, I don't know, way months into this. So he's not he's not spinning yeah. any wheels. It's been great, though. But there man. you go, Joe. Joe, people uh, if people have questions. You can throw a question for Joe or Guy or Paula. I'll get the answers for you, too. So there you go. All right, folks, we're running out of time. Joe, thanks for the great, thanks for the compliments. It's been a pleasure and an honor working with you. Ah, as thanks, you well man. know as well. Joe's you got too. a great, uh, great family. He's a good guy. He's a great dad too, which is the most important role he has. Thank you for tuning in. Don't miss the show on Fox Saturday at 10. And please subscribe to my Rumble account, rumble.com slash Bongino. And don't miss Monday's show. Eye-opening interview with Dr. Stephen Quay about the real coronavirus story and James O'Keefe as well. 
See you on Monday. Good day, sir. You just heard Dan Bongino.